Welcome back to our High Five, where we highlight five fantastic things that are happening in the life of One Church. Let's get started. Coming in at number five, the Christmas season is here. We are so excited to be having Christmas services at each of our outposts this year, all throughout the weekend from December 22nd through the 25th. You can check out our website, church.one, for your outpost times or join us online for the Christmas service as well. There's gonna be Christmas carols, Christmas message, and of course, we'll be filled with holiday spirit. At number four, last Friday, the Manchester outpost was filled with friendship, food, and fun for the monthly potluck get-together of Open Roof, our dedicated small group for families of individuals with disabilities. Every month, Open Roof provides a meeting place for parents and caregivers to fellowship and for their loved ones to enjoy singing, games, crafts, a special Bible message, and a million smiles. High five Open Roof to more times like this. Coming in at number three, students grade five through seven met last Wednesday for a game night at our Bedford Outpost, and it was a blast. They played basketball, they battled it out in some Nerf gun wars, and even sang some karaoke. Way to go, guys. Here's some more times like these. Coming in at number two, we are celebrating Brenda and how God is moving in her life. Last Sunday, she was baptized at our Brandon Outpost, and it was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Brenda. This high five goes out to you today. Finally, coming in at number one. Steve was attending our Brandon outpost this past Sunday and found himself ready to respond to what God was calling him to do and was baptized. Steve claims the truth that his identity is in Christ and we're all celebrating with him today. High five, Steve. Thank you for celebrating our high five with us. Cannot wait to see you for the next one. Hey church, I am so proud of you and the way God is moving because of your love for him. I'm thankful you are praying for one and you're helping us reach the most people in the shortest time. We have so much to celebrate and be thankful for. And I wanna take a few minutes to highlight some amazing things God did in 2022. First, thank you for your generosity. Your faithful giving reflects what is most important to you. Way to go church. We started 2022 with a new name, One Church, a name that describes who we are, not just where we were. Because of your generosity, we opened two new outposts, one in Franklin, New Hampshire, and one in Rutland, Vermont. And now we're actively sharing God's love in those two communities. It was just over a year ago that our leadership team was praying and worshiping in the chapel in the Rutland building. It was through worship that God revealed to us that this was the space God would use to transform lives through One Church for years to come. Because of One Church's generosity, we continue to reach the most people in the shortest time. Our online services have reached over 10,000 unique viewers in eight states and 11 countries. Way to go, church. We now have 28 worship services every week. Your worshipful participation is making an eternal difference in the lives of our ones. In 2022, we saw over 1,100 people connecting in groups on a regular basis. 272 people experienced Rooted. 208 people were baptized. 235 people attended Get Connected to take their next step and Get Connected. 
585 are currently serving regularly in various ministries. 1,114 kids checked into our children's ministry. Our online services reached over 1,300 people each week. We hired a residency pastor and have four residents in our residency program who are having hands-on ministry experience at our outposts. Through our outreach ministries, you help give hundreds of meals and warm clothing items to our under-resourced neighbors in the communities where we have outposts. Over 1,000 backpacks full of school supplies to our communities. Hundreds of Christmas gifts were given to families in need in our communities. Altogether, we have given almost half a million dollars to local, global, and regional outreach this year alone. Way to go, church. I believe God has incredible plans for us in 2023. Here's what you can do to help. Pray for our church to be a light in our communities so that we can reach the most ones. Pray we can help the most people connect to God, to people, and to the mission of Jesus. And as we move towards closing of 2022, would you please consider prayerfully giving a year-end gift. Simply ask God, God, show me what to give and give me courage to give it. You can go online right now to our website, church.one slash give and give a gift today. I believe in what God is doing, that he will use your generosity to help more of our wants connects to God, to people, and the mission. Church, get ready, because God is doing something great and we are on the verge of something amazing. I love you and I can't wait to see what God will do in 2023. Let's go. Isn't that awesome? I, you know, there's so much that we can do when we do it together. When we trust that, that God's spirit's at work and he wants to <clears throat> flow through all of us, through all of our different personalities, through all of our different resources. We all got different jobs. We all do different things. And yet there's something beautiful about when like, okay, God, use us. Use us however you want to use us for your glory and for your purposes. And I get excited like standing up here on a Sunday morning and thinking about all the places that will be tomorrow to see the church go into all of these different places and, and to watch and see, what, what God, what can you do through us? What can you do through a group of people sold out to you? We're in a series called uh, Simply Christmas, and we're talking about worship. We're talking about simply, simply worship, to be simply worshipful at this time of Christmas. And I, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about our, our memory verse. Our memory verse, is, it, it occurs, it comes right after the birth of Jesus. And... The angels appear to the shepherds in the field, and, and they tell them something that they've been waiting for. And I don't, they, they probably that day didn't realize that they were waiting for. It was one of those like broad-scale waiting for things, as we also, you know, we await the return of our king. And so imagine, like, at the moment of, like, oh, hey, he's here, that kind of surprise, that kind of shock. And so these angels appear, an angel appears to these shepherds in a field, and, and he says our memory verse. So we're going to say this together. Um, and so it's going to be here on the screen in just a second. Luke chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 10 through 11. It's one of these beautiful verses of Christmas. And this is what it says. Say it with me. Uh, but the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the one that you have been waiting for. He is the one that, that will deliver his people. He's the one who shows up in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our mess. The one that God has promised has arrived. And I thought about waiting. 
And I thought about my kids waiting for Christmas. Any of your kids wait for Christmas? Any of you, like, waiting for Christmas? Like, like one of my kids was telling me, like, in, in, in the middle of summer, she, she knew the number of days. She's like, Dad, there's this many days till Christmas. I'm like, I'm not ready for this yet, hon. Like, you, you know, you, but, but some people are like that. They just can't wait for Christmas. There's this, there's this waiting. I thought about waiting around Christmas time and the excitement of Christmas morning and waiting for Christmas morning. I thought about like waiting for the grandparents to show up. If you remember as a kid, like, like you're staring at your windows or company is going to come over and you're always waiting because you want to open the presents, right? Like, oh, I can't wait till they get here. I love you, grandma and grandpa, but I, I, I love presents more. It's like what we would often say. So you're, you're waiting and you're looking at the driveway, waiting to see if they'll, they'll, the car will turn the corner like that old car. Like I remember when I was a kid, that old car turning around the corner. It's like, oh, here they are, the arrival. And I thought about the world waiting for Jesus, waiting for God saves, waiting for God's salvation, waiting for the promises of God that they had longed for, that he had said would eventually come, and yet not always seeing it necessarily and saying, God, I, I, I'm ready for you to show up. And then he shows up to a group of shepherds in a field, and they're told that God has been born to us, <clears throat> that the Messiah is here. That's Christmas. I mean, we can lose Christmas and a lot of other stuff, but Christmas is God with us. Christmas is God coming for us. The waiting is, is over. And what's interesting is the shepherds, they'll... they'll I, I don't know if they ran, but I picture them running. They're like, oh, we got to go see this child that's been born, which is interesting. If, if God has come to earth, he's worth exploring. Like, if God has become flesh for us, it's worth, it's worth chasing down. And I would say that in our lives today. Like, if God, if God, if, if, if at the very least, if there is this, if there is this message that, that God came to earth, that he, he came for humanity, he came to meet us in our brokenness so that he can put us back together to give us peace out of our pieces, then, then, then he's at worth running to the manger and saying, what is this? Who is this? I will at least ex explore and, under, and, and seek to understand that the best that they could. So, so the shepherds go, and I picture them running to see this Jesus, to see this baby that has been born, this Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for, and when they see him, they, they rejoice. And then they, what I like is I like the different reactions in the manger, because we all worship differently. You worship differently. We all worship differently. God makes us different. Praise God, we worship differently. Some of us are singers. Some of us are not singers. That doesn't mean we shouldn't sing. Like, it's just, we may not sing, like, to everybody's happiness around us, but, but we, all, we all worship in different ways. And so you have the shepherds, they see, they see this baby who's been born, which I have to say that that has to be the strangest things. And I know, I think about this a lot. I think about God as a baby. That is a strange image. God as a baby. Hold that in your memory, for in your mind for a second. God as a baby. What kind of God is this? Strange. What kind of God becomes flesh and walks among his creation? What kind of God kind of humbles himself in such a way? To be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, that's weird. Like, that is weird. And yet, there's some type of chasm that God has crossed to, to be with you and me because he sees value in us. He sees value in you. And there's something wonderful about that. There's something that might lead us to worship. And the shepherds see it, and they're like, whoa, this is weird. This is strange. And then they go into town, and they tell everybody because that's sometimes how you worship. Sometimes how you worship is like you just got to tell everybody you know. But then Mary worships a little different. I love this part about how Mary worships. It says she just sits there staring at Jesus. And the word that's used there, I learned it several years ago, it means she's trying to pierce the significance of it. How do you pierce the significance of that? 
the maker of mountains in a manger. The one who is in control of lightning bolts and thunder, like laying there. It's strange. It leads you to worship. And so we're talking about worship. And we're talking about simply worship. And if my prayer for me and for you could be anything this Christmas is to come back to the worship side of Christmas. And sometimes we have to review our worship. Sometimes the things that we worship is worthy of review because, I mean, we worship a lot of things. Or there's this temptation to worship a lot of things, particularly around Christmas time. Like we, we, we worship Santa sometimes. And you're like, oh, I don't worship Santa. But, no, no, but, but I think it happens within our culture is things that get your time and money, and we, we tend to worship Santa. And we tend to worship presents. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to get. Oh, I can't wait to what I'm going to get. We made it, and I don't mean to like out us. Like, I don't mean to be all, all heavy-handed, but like, we worship possessions, right, in a lot of ways. It's a temptation, at least. It's, it's things that can get our focus. Or it's, there's the other side. It's the financial side. It's like we're stuck in finances of, of how much is this going to cost me and, <laughs> and like all of this stuff. Like, they, we worship the songs of Christmas sometimes. Oh, I can't wait to hear those songs like sometimes. And, and so we... There's a lot of things, I, here, here's what we might say in terms, you might say, well, I don't worship it, but what is it that gets my time, and what is it that gets my attention, and what is it that gets my money, and what is it get, that gets my heart, that in some, on some capacity, in some type of worship, and so, I mean, call it whatever you want, it gets something of us, and so there's a lot of things that get our focus, maybe that's the better way of saying it, and maybe it's the more that will at least let in, of like, okay, there are things in this life, there are things maybe even right now, even today, that's getting your focus. I mean, it's not Jesus. And again, I don't mean for that to sound heavy-handed. It's, it's more like, God, bring us back into where real joy can be found at Christmas. And, and real joy that can be found at Christmas, I, I think, is in understanding that there is a God who loves you. That there is a God who sees you. That there is a God who knows you. That he's with you in your pain. Right now, he's with you in your pain. That he's with you in your joy. That he's with you in your, in your mess. He's with you in your mistakes. He's with you in your, your failure. And to come back and say, God, I, I, I want to worship you. I want my worship to be directed at you. I want, I, I, I want to look at all of the things, all of the places that could get my focus right now. And maybe God, show us right now where we're distracted. Like, where, where in your life right now? And I, I think we all could answer this, like, for ourselves in some way. Like, where, where am I distracted, Lord? And let my focus be back. Let, let it be back on you where, where my rightly focus could be placed. And so we're actually in Ephesians chapter 5 today, which is kind of a strange passage for, for Christmas, but I think you'll, you'll get it. Because Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, I, I, I want you to be very careful about how you live. And I thought about that. I thought about, be very careful about how you live. And I, gotta, I, I sometimes think, like, am I careful about how I live? He says, I, I want you to be very careful about how you live, not as, not as unwise, but as wise. 
I want you to be very careful about how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I want you to be very careful about how you live. And I thought about that in terms of Christmas. I thought about that in things of, of things that I'm waiting for. I thought about it in the things that get my focus or my attention. And I hear Paul giving me some wisdom that says, said, I want you to be very careful, not just careful, because I, I, I like dialed into this this week, not just careful. I want you to be very careful about how you live your life. And I had to ask myself, am I, all, am I always very careful about how I live my life? Like, be, am I careful about it, or, or can I sometimes be passive? Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I can be passive about my life. Sometimes I could be passive about this day. Sometimes around Christmas, it's, it's after Christmas, it's around February, we, we, we went through the season of going down to uh, Myrtle Beach. We'd meet my parents there. It's about halfway, believe it or not. It's like, not halfway, it was equidistance for us getting to meet them from Indiana and us from New Hampshire. We'd meet at Myrtle Beach, and there was this little ra- lazy river outside. In the middle of February, there's nothing better than a lazy river in, in, in Myrtle Beach. And I was thinking about passive living, and I was thinking about the lazy river, and I thought about how sometimes that's how we go about life. There's something wonderful about a lazy river. You guys know what I'm talking about, lazy river? You just get in and you do nothing? You just get in and you let the current take you wherever it goes? And I started to realize, uh-oh, sometimes I live life like that. Sometimes the day could be like that. I'm just getting in, and I'm just, oh, man, I hope I can just get through it. And that's not what Paul says. Paul says, for those who follow Jesus, he says, I want you to be very careful about how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. I had to ask myself this question. Now, you can ask yourself this question. I'm asking myself this question. Am I making the most of every opportunity that's set in front of me? Do I, do I seize the day a little... Uh, Little Dead Poet Society. Remember that? Carpe diem. I don't know if you remember that. Go watch that movie. It's great. Um, But seize the day. Seize the moment. Seize today. Because I thought about it. I was asking myself this question. What is worship? If we're talking about simply worship, and if there's a king who's come to us and given his life for us, Paul will say, well, what do we do with this? Because sometimes we're like, okay, Jesus, um, we, we have this hard time with, with the justice of God. God, could you really forgive me? God, could you really love me? God, would you really give your son to die for me? Surely I got to do something. Like, that's what we usually say. We are we're very much an earn it culture. It's like, I got I to gotta figure out what I do. New Englanders, he's like, I got I to gotta measure up. And he says, no, 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 it's a gift. It's a free gift from God. And you're like, I got to do something. What am I supposed to do? And Jesus will say, this is what you're supposed to do. Give your life to him. That's worship. Give your whole life to him. In, in fact, he hits it in Romans chapter 12. After talking about all of this, in Romans chapter 12, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, I want your life to be worship. Therefore, be very careful about how you live. Not, not as unwise. Just foolish, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity. That word, that phrase, every opportunity, means to buy up the time. Buy up the time. Seize the time. Take the time. Moms and dads, I think we understand this. Our kids, man, our kids, we can't wait for them to grow up because it's so hard sometimes when they're little and then they grow up and you're like, oh man, I should have bought up some time. Parents, I'm not talking parents who have kids right now. I'm thinking about our parents. The time that we have with them around the holidays and stuff to buy up the time, to seize the moment. Because the days are evil, it says there's distractions. There's a lot of things that can get our focus. And I don't know. In this Christmas season, to review our worship, to say, okay, what's getting my time? What's getting my, what's getting my heart? What's getting my, what's getting my soul? What's getting my, my stuff? And to review 
to review our worship. And so that's what Paul says. He says, I want you to be very careful. Be very careful about how you live. Be very careful about how you walk. Buy up the time. I was thinking about buying up the time. I was thinking about, do we have any last-minute Christmas shoppers here? I'm one. I'm a last-minute. Come on. Come on. I, this, there's enough people in this room that there's got to be more than one last Christmas shopper. Okay, we got a few last Christmas shoppers. Man, I had a friend who, who his, his daughter would say this. This was a beautiful phrase. She had said, like, if you wait to the last minute to do something, it only takes a minute. I'm like, that is genius. And the problem, because you got to do it. Because you got to buy up the time of that minute. And, and so I, I, I tend to be a last minute Christmas shopper. And man, and you could say, well, I'm not buying up the time before. But in those moments, those, la- those last few hours, man, I am seizing the moment. And I'm buying up the time. And I thought about that in terms of life. Like, maybe we're supposed to live less the lazy river life and more the seize the moment life. God, show us, each of us right now, places in our lives when you're calling us to, to make the most of every opportunity to seize the moments that we have in front of us, to review the things that we're worshiping. And then the second, and you might disagree with me on this, but I was thinking about in terms of relationship, that not only we're supposed to review our worship, I think we're supposed to fuel our worship. And and here's why I said you might disagree with me on this, because I I was thinking through this a lot. Sometimes I I have thought that worship is this response to something that you have seen, which is true, right? It is. Like, like, like when, you, when, when you see that there is an almighty God, and you're like, okay, there's an almighty God, and you start to realize that there's an almighty God that didn't, like, knock me down. Instead, he came down for me. He gave his life, died for me, and, and now what, what do I do? In me? What, how do I respond to this? And so we would often think, well, worship is, some, some, is just a natural. It's, a, it's just something that comes out of me in a lot of ways. It's, 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 so you're like, fuel worship? Well, how, what, do, what do you mean fuel worship? Do you have to fuel worship? I was thinking about fuel because of that phrase. And I was thinking about my wood stove at home. Any of you got a wood stove at home? I love my wood stove. I love, like, around Christmas time to get the fire going, to get it blazing hot so it's too hot in the room because you're like, yeah, that's, that's a wood stove going. I just, I'd love to watch the flames and sit around the warmth and watch it. And, and I'm thinking about fuel, and I'm thinking about how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is, but at the same time, there's work to it. Anybody who has a wood stove knows that there's work to it. There's work. Like, it, it's, there takes action. There takes action to sit around the fire, and there takes action to sit around the flame, that, that it, doesn't just, it doesn't just happen, that there's something beautiful happening, but there's, there's work that's put into it. And so I'm thinking about fueling worship, and I'm thinking about this relationship that you and I have with God, and, and that he's a wonderful God. And you're like, well, well I, you know, I don't always feel it, and because I, thought, I started thinking about relationships. 
and I started to think about how we were supposed to fuel our relationships. Like, like your, your love for your husband or wife, like, it doesn't just happen. Like, it does at the beginning, but it doesn't later on, right? And, and you're like, well, well, what do you mean? I'm, I'm just supposed to feel all this all the time. Well, I'm not exactly sure. Like, like, it seems like in relationships that they take hard work. Am I right? Husbands and wives, it takes hard work. When you think about parenting, it takes hard work. That there's, 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 there's this fuel that we're supposed to, to, to be working at it, that it doesn't just happen. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? It, relationships need some fuel. Relationships need some time together. Relationships need some conversation. Relationships need some, some fighting. It needs some things we're fighting for. Relationships need these things. So why would we think our relationship with God might not at the same time need some, some fuel? Like, because I will tell you, oh man, I'm trying to make sure that what I'm trying to say is accurate, but if your worship is trying to run on emotions, you're going to check out pretty quick. The songs aren't going to be what you like. The sermon isn't going to sound the way you want it to sound. Like, if it is all emotions and it's all like, if it's all just, I'm going to come and, and, and consume, because that's what fuel sometimes does. Like, you just consume it. You're going to, you're going to get disappointed very long. And, I've, you know, I watch it happen in, in people sometimes. It's like, oh, man, I'm just not feeling it anymore. In church, in relationships, in marriages, in paradigm, I'm just not feeling it anymore. Like, are you fuel, fueling it anymore? That's a good question, isn't it? I'm just not feeling it anymore. Well, are you fueling it anymore? And what are you fueling it with? The other day, my son, my little son, had his first basketball practice. He didn't, he didn't like his dinner. And so he decided to eat three cupcakes. <laughs> I don't know where his parents were at that moment, but he decided to eat three cupcakes. You know what happened on his way to basketball practice? He's like, I'm not sure. He's like, I'm not sure if I'm running on the right fuel. Now, he didn't use those terminology, but, but I know that that's what's happening. Three cupcakes may not be the best fuel for what you're trying to accomplish. And so I thought about fuel our worship. That's a strange thought. But it's not wrong. How do you fuel your worship? I mean, I think on some level we're doing it right now. We get to gather together with a group of other people who are burning, hopefully, in some capacity, and we burn better together. And we get to sing songs. What a strange thing that we do, but we get to sing songs, and we get to ha have a moment of focus of saying, okay, there is a God, and he's worthy of our praise, and he sent his son, and so we're going to respond with... with we, we, have, we have the scriptures... We have God's spoken word to us, which is astounding when you think about it. Like, when you have the grace of God, a God who's so gracious that he doesn't keep himself distant, but he, he not only takes on flesh, but he also reveals, like, a pathway of, like, this is how you can know me and walk with me. You can read. You can read my words. You can read what I'm saying to you. And so there are ways that we can fuel our worship. It, it, it's not just this feeling type thing. And so this is what Paul says. He says, I want you to be very careful about how you live. I want you to seize today. I want you to make every opportunity because the days are distracting. The days are evil. The days will take you off course. And you were meant to live in this day with everything that God has called you to do. Your body, a living sacrifice. And so he goes on to say this. He says this in, um, later on, a couple verses later. He says, therefore, don't be foolish. And some of us are like, oh, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be foolish anymore. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Oh, it's easy sometimes to be foolish. 
it's easy sometimes to, to chase the things that I want that think, oh, I just can't live without this. But Paul in Ephesians, he says, therefore, you know, what does wisdom look like? Ask God for wisdom. James will say that. If you ask God for wisdom, he'll, he'll give you wisdom. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but instead seek to know what God's will is. This is I, was, I was struck as I was going through this how much this sounds like Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 says, therefore, here's what I want you to do. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is what worship looks like. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is the only reasonable way to worship God. The only reasonable way to worship God is your whole life to him. And then it goes on to say this. Don't keep on conforming to the patterns of this world. But instead, be transformed. Keep on being transformed. But then it says this, by the renewing of your mind, by giving you a new mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So twice. Now in Ephesians it says, don't be foolish, but seek God's will. Um, Paul says in Romans, he says, um, offer your bodies and then you can know God's will. So you can, we, here's, what's, here's what's astounding, is you can know the will of God right now. Like, what? I can know the will of God right now. And I think sometimes we play around with this a little bit. Sometimes we play a little bit dumb. Oh, I just wish I knew what God wanted for my life. Oh, I just wish he could make it very clear to me. I know what God wants for your life. He wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. He wants you to wash people's feet. There's nothing, there's nothing abstract about that. He wants husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what he wants. He wants, he wants, he wants kids to honor their parents and to, to trust them and obey them. He wants to say, he, he wants us to, to know, we can know the will of God. So he says, therefore, don't be foolish. Instead, seek to know what God's will is. And I'm sorry, I'm not sorry for keep doing this, but God, show us what your will is. For our lives right now. God, that thing that we're struggling with, God, that, that, that thing, that distraction that's, that's in our hearts or in our minds, Lord, show us what your will is for that. Help us to know what your will is. And it goes on to say this, don't get drunk on wine. And, and there are external things that can have influence over our lives. That can fill us, that can take control over us. And that's why he says, that's, that's why we have to be careful. Don't, don't get drunk on wine. But, but I mean, that, that is one thing. But there are other things that we can get drunk on. We can get drunk on Netflix. We can get drunk on, on, on Amazon. We can get drunk on, there are, whatever that external influence of our lives are can very easily start to take over. And what Paul will say is, no, that, that's not going to lead you down the right path. Instead, I love the way he says this. He says, get drunk on the spirit. Christians, get drunk. <laughs> Christians, drink it up. He says, but get drunk on the spirit. Let the, let the external force that has power over your life, you decide what it needs to, what, what you let God's will decide for you what that needs to be. And he says, let that be his spirit. That was a dumb sentence, but um, we're talking about fuel. I can fuel myself with my desires. And I've gone down that road. You know what happens when you, you, know what happens when you go down the road of fueling your own desires? Man, it, it gets messy pretty quick. 
You guys felt this? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 23. The first half of this is like, oh, <laughs> I, wish, I wish this wasn't here. But man, is it a mirror on my life. It says this. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred. Hatred and discord and jealousy, fits of rage and selfish ambition, dissensions and factions and envy, and drunkenness and orgies and all the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like these will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what happens when, when I'm like, oh, my wants, my wants. Give me what I want and how I want it and when I want it. And, and let that be the fuel for my life. It's like, oh, man, if you want that to be the fuel for your life, man, life is going to burn up pretty quick. But... If you fuel yourself with the Spirit, now how in heaven's name do you even do that? But listen to what it says. Listen to the outcome it says, and then we'll tackle the how. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. The, what, what the Spirit produces in us, what my flesh produces is oh, lots of failures. What the Spirit produces is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. I don't, even need, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do anymore because I'm just walking with Jesus and I'm fueled by his spirit. So do I need more of the spirit? I don't know. I think when God gives something, he gives it in its fullness. I'm not sure if I need more of the spirit. I just have Crowded my heart and my eyes with other things. It's distracted me from the fullness of what he gives. And so be filled with the Spirit. Spirit, show us in our lives what, what needs to go so that we can be fueled for worship for you. And then lastly, express, express your worship. It's neat to watch a kid on Christmas, isn't it? It's, it's neat to watch them not be able to contain their emotions. Like, they open a present that they love, and all of a sudden, like, it's all over their body. It's all over their mouths. It's all over the, like, you, you see it. You, you see the excitement and the joy. Paul says that when we're walking on the right track, and we start to get worship in the right place, and we're not caught up in all of this other junk and distractions, but we're seizing every day and every opportunity. We're saying, God, God, how, what is your will for my life? And I want to walk in it. Um, and then it says what, what will happen is it will start to come out of you. This is what it says. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we get to give our worship. And he breaks it down what that looks like. What does giving God my worship looks like? It means giving him my, giving him my words. To give words of, to give words of worship. Of how we speak to each other. Speaking to other with each other with, with the love of God on our hearts. With his forgiveness and his grace. It's singing words. To give songs. Lifting your songs before him. There are very few places that we sing corporately together when you think about that in, in this world. There are very few places where we're like grown-ups, we're adults. I mean, we sing Happy Birthday and we sing Sweet Caroline at, at the Red Sox, right? Like, we don't sing in a whole lot of places, but the church is a place where we sing and so we give songs and we lift up our songs to God and there's something beautiful about that and then we give thanks. Always giving thanks to our Father for sending Jesus into this world. 
My prayer for us is that we might simply worship this Christmas. Because that, that is really what it's all about. That there's a king who loves you. There's a king who has given himself for you. And he has this strange upside-down invitation that if you give everything to him, if you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him, that you will find life, which doesn't make any sense until you start to think about it. You start to realize that he knows better, that he knows what he's doing, that he knows what he's done. And so it's to trust him and worship him and praise him. When I think about simply worship, I think about Jesus standing before his disciples, having just washed their feet, saying this is, this is one who has given himself completely and totally for you. And whenever you do this, he says, do this in remembrance of him. And so we do this to our king. And he takes this wine and he says, this is, this is my blood poured out for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. So we take to our king. We all stand with me. Christmas is a beautiful time. And it is easy for me to get distracted by it. It's easy to let it pass by or hope for it to be over. Because it comes with pain sometimes and it comes with relational struggles. It comes with all of this. But my prayer is not, not to just get past it. But just like Mary, stare in the manger and try to pierce the significance of it. That God so loved me. Maybe you're here today and you're coming back to a heart of worship and God wants to bring you back to a heart of worship and you've given him something less than everything that he's asked of you of your very life. And maybe there's a way that we could pray for you. Dan will be down here, I'll be down here and if there's a way we can pray with you, we would love to be here to, to help you through that. Or maybe today's the day that you want to go all in with him. You haven't been baptized into him and you'd like to be baptized into Jesus and Receive him as your Lord and Savior. There's water here, and there's no reason to wait any other day. Today's seize the moment. Make the most of every opportunity. And so that is for you as well. We all pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are good, and you are worthy. You're worthy not just of songs. You're worthy not just of, of money and finances. Lord, you're worthy not just of, of time or Standing or sitting in a room, Lord, you are worthy of all our lives. And Lord, in the beauty of our willingness to trust you on it and to lay ourselves down, Lord, I thank you for, for all that you can do, for all the people that you can touch and reach through your church, living alive and, and full in you. And so, Lord, I pray for all of our relationships, for our families and extended families, for the people that we go to work with and for people we go to school with, Lord. Lord, let us, not, let us not be lazy in the mission that you've set before us, but instead let us seize each and every opportunity to set the focus on Jesus. It's in him we pray. Amen.